0: And she turns around to her ma and She says uh Ma where where was we're, we're, were they a big family? Oh yes, yeah, sure. but did you ever see the size of the sister? They were all big like that. Fox brilliant Street talk mental health. Street talk mental health. Street talk mental health. The Command is a terrible thing.
1: You're very welcome along to Straight Talking Mental Health The weekly podcast where I'm sure if you're a regular listener You would have heard we tackle the problems associated with mental health In a very, uh, let's <laughs> just say, unique way,
0: to say the least mm-hmm. My name is Peter Dunn I'm The Deal I'm still trying to get that going and Oh, you're not I'm calling yourself The Deal, are you? It hasn't taken off. I was hoping it would take off after after the previous episodes, but no. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just Alan Clark. Just Alan Clark. Just Alan Clark.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So the intention here is, uh, it's simple. Let's help break the stigma around mental health and educate ourselves about it, and maybe we'll have more happy people in this lovely world of ours. So you can check out previous episodes where we dig into the likes of anxiety, suicide, sexual abuse, self esteem, loneliness, and loads, loads more. Now this week we were supposed to be holding our first in session podcast where we answer your questions and deal with your stories around mental health that you've emailed or messaged us in the last week but because of the enormous response to last week's episode on sexual abuse we've decided to push it out until next week and this week we're going to be dealing with trauma so a number of you already got in touch with your stories and questions for in session so don't worry about that we will get to them next week And uh, we're taking submissions still, so if you've got a query about your mental health or that of a friend or family member, please do get in touch via the social media channels or email straight talkingpodcast at gmail.com. So I want to give a big thank you as well to Chris Pender. He joined us last week in the podcast to tell us his story about the sexual abuse he endured as a child, the effect it's had on him and how he deals with it now. It was an absolute pleasure to chat with Chris. He's a total gentleman and hopefully his story will help others open up about their experiences. And break this stigma around mental health.
0: What's been going on with you this week, man? What's, what's been on your mind? Um, was a
1: couple of weeks ago? We did the uh, the episode on uh, self esteem. We're mm-hmm. talking, you know, how mm-hmm. self esteem is something that you uh, you take in from mm. uh, from your environment, mm-hmm. and how you know if you treat a, a child bad, they're going to think that they're they're worthless they're or yeah, yeah. 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 And funny enough, like uh, something just popped into my head there the other day. I remember bringing my nephew. To uh, training one day And this was Like under sixes Training mm-hmm. And uh, Under sixes Look They're just going to Run around the place Jump up and down Have a bit of crack Just um, <laughs> <dressing laughs> a whole Fall lot down. of Football <laughs> Yeah Involved in it You know what I mean mm-hmm. But I remember this uh, This young guy he Must have been At most six And at the end of the session They were all lining up To take uh, penalties On the coach And this young lad He The ball in his hand Ran up Cracked a goal Into the top Right hand corner We're talking about Gal goals Like big goals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was What if You're looking at him Going You're hardly six Are you
0: Jesus <laughs> Christ
1: like. And uh, he celebrated After he scored his goal
0: Yeah, He so. jumped
1: And he kind of uh, Did this uh, Mid-air turn And statuesque Pose Like what <laughs> Ronaldo does You know <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, He ran To the end of the queue uh, To have his goal again uh, now the coach was letting these go in, you know, because yeah, they're yeah, kids. Yeah. Yeah. But little lad stepped up again, same shot, cracked it into the top corner. Coach dived to save the ball, and as soon as he grabbed it, he went, "Ha ha! I wasn't going to let you score that one." After you celebrated the last time, now go on, off
0: with you. <laughs> I'll put you in your place. Imagine that. Get back in your box, you a six-year-old.
1: six-year-old child. Mm. If a child is six years of age and they. Score a goal And they want to celebrate Mm. Let them Yeah What harm is it doing Yeah But to say to this young lad Who's clearly very talented Mm. Get back in your box
0: Yeah yeah Don't be getting notions. Come on lad But
1: that really I I was standing there Looking at this Going Would I say something to him
0: Mm. You know None of my business But Yeah, yeah That's a horrific thing this this is the problem with this job, man. This is the problem with what I do. Like when you spot stuff like that, you're like, oh fuck, yeah. You know, it really get it really gets you, and as uh, you know, as as we talk about stuff, and I suppose you hear me talking about it, yeah, yeah, you become a bit more sensitive to these kind of you things. Do. Oh yeah, you, you see know, them and, and it all ju- around it you. changes how you how yeah. you see the world. Yeah, I, rem- I remember uh, one situation. Uh, I was down in Tesco's one day, and I met met someone I knew. They were there, and they had they had a teenage son with them. Oh. Fuck! Oh, I'm just fucking down here buying him and buying him a new Xbox game or something. Fucking shut him the fuck up and, you know, fucking lock, let him lock him up in the fucking attic and leave him up there. And I'm like, you're fucking <laughs> saying this in front of the child, like, yeah, you know, he's not going to fucking feel too good about himself with this disorder. No, you think, like, oh, But it's like, oh, this, yeah. this fucking lad, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, for yeah. fuck's sake, I can't say anything. I really want to fucking say something. yeah Yeah. Or, or, uh, you know, another good one, you know, parents shouting at a child in Tesco's because the child was shouting. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Stop shouting as you're shouting (laughs) at the child. Where do you fucking think the child is learning it from? Like, do as I say, not
1: as I do. Oh, 100%, 100%. (laughs) You know, maybe it's something we should do an episode on, which is just the the culture in this country and the um, oppressed culture of Irish people. Because mm. I was uh, I was looking at a project to do recently, and I googled the top 100 famous or successful Irish people. But do you know what the common theme was? I'd say about 95% of them left the country. <laughs> Be it business people, famous people, musicians, yeah, yeah, yeah. culture, art. The majority of them left the country.
0: Mm. Mm. It's shocking, isn't it? Yeah, it's... Uh I don't know, as I said, as we talked about the notions and the begrudgery and, mm. you know, that drive to, to bring you somewhere else. It's Yeah. Anyways, anything rattle your cage, dude? Uh, I, I've been thinking about rattle your cage and, and, and the reason I was thinking about it is like, eh, it just kind of focuses on the negative. You know, it's just uh, what's, what's pissing you off. Mm. you know it kind of reinforces that piece which is why when I said to you what's been on your mind or what's, what's been going on with you okay because yeah, I think there, there can be a danger of just getting caught up in finding something to complain about then yeah
1: but we love complaining Irish <laughs> oh, people do oh
0: fuck me we do <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember I remember talking uh, over, over the years and stuff like that um and talking to a few foreigners on Tinder or something like that and uh, have we done you know, an episode w-
1: that doesn't mention Tinder yet,
0: by the way <laughs> this, is my, this is my fucking life man you know seriously like <laughs> what's been going on with you <laughs> bored off my fucking face on Tinder that's what's been going on with me <laughs> um, but you know he, he make a comment about the weather and all the foreigners like why do Irish people talk so much about the weather I was like do we? I was <laughs> like,
1: "Oh shit, we do." <laughs> it's all fucking changeable. You yeah, yeah. still find it bizarre, yeah. you know? yeah.
0: and that's the thing. Like, we're always shocked. Jesus, it's raining again, and at mm. the middle of July. Yeah, fucking rains every July. <laughs> like, what, are you expecting <laughs> here? Like, <laughs> you know, whenever, whenever there's a good spell, you know, a bit of fucking cracking weather during the week, bust to rain at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. You have to bring last. in the fucking negative. Yeah, it won't, yeah it won't last. Oh, it's gonna or someone, no someone's, Sundays, home it's gonna us, someone's home from australia Someone's home from Australia. When you going back? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> straight away. It's to the end piece. It's to the negative piece. Yeah, yeah. I can't enjoy the fact that you're home when you're going home.
1: Yeah, <laughs> is it a strictly Dublin thing? But um, I've often heard when uh, I mean, half you are half, 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 half dub as well, aren't you Yeah, it? yeah. We're
0: half yeah. dubs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I always tell people I'm like mixed race. Half dub, half <laughs> <country>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> But did you ever get it?
1: Oh well, you're looking well. Were you sick? Did you ever get that? <laughs> no, <laughs> I
0: haven't heard that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're looking well. You must have been sick. Were you? Were you sick? Uh, yeah. You were. <laughs> uh, <you worry>, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love. I love my Dublin family. All the boys. Yeah. I love. I love the Unique. weight. The weight of dubs is oh, man, fucking. Yeah. Razor sharp. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's hard to yeah, yeah. open them. <laughs> I, t- I tell you, a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny and it's not funny because it, it was at a funeral it was at a ah, funeral's can be funny oh yeah especially if you're Irish <laughs> I remember <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I, I, I can't name it I was at I was at a family funeral one time <laughs> <laughs> and um, the, the 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 individual I I don't want to say it because I don't want people to think I'm i bad mouthing the family or, or who it was or being disrespectful mm-hmm. but um, I was saying <laughs> I said I said to my cousin I said, I said, to, I said to Leanne we were talking about that and we're it was it was a, a relative true marriage that, that had passed and I said to my cousin Leanne I said um, we're a big family you know I said because I met such and such and she goes, Jesus says, I don't know. And she turns around to her man and she says, Ma, were, were, was, were they a big family? Oh, yes. Or did you ever see the size of the sister? They were all big like that. <laughs> <laughs> and myself and Leanne we fucking couldn't breathe we're like no was there many of them was there a lot in the family <laughs> and then Leanne couldn't breathe she was laughing I couldn't fucking I couldn't breathe because I was laughing at her laughing and Jesus Christ we nearly wet ourselves <laughs> waiting waiting for the hearse to pull up <laughs> Who at a funeral discusses their level of cholesterol you know <laughs> yeah. Oh sure the morale beat did you ever see the sights Like <laughs> fuck's <We're> <laughs> now that's Irish that is Irish that, Oh that's pure yeah. Irish uh, yeah. uh, Sure look we're not, we're not the worst No, and, uh, no we're not. Shout out to all the dubs Yeah uh, Big, big fan, big fan of the dubs. So,
1: as we said earlier, we're talking trauma on the back of last week's episode about sexual abuse and Kildare County Councillor Chris Pender's story about surviving childhood abuse. So we will have Chris on again in the near future. But, um, Alan, you've been checking in with Chris on how he's been doing since the podcast went out. How is he?
0: Yeah, he's good. He's good. Yeah, I mean, Chris, and he put up that he was, you know, when we put the promo uh video up around the audio with the with the snippets from the from the episode and stuff he put up he was he was feeling quite nervous and you know obviously to put to put something like that out yeah. into the out into the world is is, is, is hugely brave um I, you know i've been following the um the tweets to chris and the retweets that people put up and um the you know the response has been incredible um yeah. and you know, I checked in to see you know any any kind of negative things. And hadn't hadn't been anything. Yeah, so I suppose his fear was that it would be something to to be used against him. And you know, and I think he had mentioned around in 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 the interview that you know the dismissive part of oh well, she's gay, she she'd like it anyway. Mm, yeah, horrible. You know this yeah. this kind of mentality. Um. So. And I think the support for us has been has been amazing as well you know people thanking us for for giving him the the opportunity to to, mm-hmm. to to get his story out there
1: well look at the end of the day, all we are is a platform you know mm-hmm. if anybody wants mm-hmm. to come and talk to us then we're we're always here to listen that's what we want to do and that's where that's the intention here and uh you know fair play to Chris because it is it's a big decision and it's a it's a brave decision as well to come out and tell your story so uh you know it took a lot of strength and he's definitely, um, he's definitely a strong character.
0: Mm. Yeah. And look, I mean, and he, and he is quite strong in that. And, you know, you, you, you heard it in, in the episode, you know, he kind of, he's, he's had to be. Mm. And, you know, in, in the piece where he got very defensive around, you know, not wanting to be pitied. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's obviously, being strong has been his, his way of, of, of coping with, with everything. And, um, you know, and that becomes a part of your identity, and I, I'd mentioned it in the interview of, you know, for for people that have stepped into the role, and and actually the interesting thing around it was that he he covered so much in what he said of stuff that's been touched on in previous episodes, Um and we'll get into a bit more detail around it later on, but and I had asked him if he was the eldest. He was the middle. Yeah, child. yeah, because you know you step into that role mm. where where someone else and Chris's Chris's brother had a very traumatic accident yeah. or something his older brother, and so he kind of stepped in stepped into that role, and that's that's a very common thing within families where you know nature abhors a vacuum, which is why I asked him if he was the eldest because that would traditionally be the role of of the eldest to. Uh, step in, you know, to become mother's little helper, you know, the kind of mm. nicknames or the, the the surrogate spouse, you know, where the elders, oh, you look after them kids, there. Well, you have to do this, or I have to do that, and so the yeah. elders become very responsible and uh, and they're used to, to to playing that little that little helper role. But you know, for for people uh, and uh, I've had clients before as well where you know they talk about this kind of stuff and. It's you know this, and I'd ask that you know were you, were you the eldest and no, no, I wasn't, and I'd kind of like right, uh did the eldest not take on that role no he was he or she was fucking useless you know he he's a he's a waster, so again, then mm-hmm. your know, nature abhors a vacuum, someone will fill that role, yeah, to be the responsible one to be the to, to be the fixer, and um it's uh, it's there to try and keep that balance within the family. Yeah. you an know, any system relies on homeostasis so it needs to everything needs to balance out nature has homeostasis everything balances out it all finds its place and it maintains the 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 environment and and the family is like that as well so how I would normally describe it to clients would be uh, it's like a child's mobile um, that hangs over their cot not not the ones nowadays, because the ones nowadays are all plastic and play music, but the old ones used to have bits of string and there'd be kind of sticks coming out of them and there'd be mm. figures and you just have this lovely kind of movement where you, you pull one side of it and obviously the other side then had to go up because we're attached by a, a central pin. And that's the way a family operates. If one bit moves, all the other bits have to move in conjunction with that. Oh, yeah. So if daddy comes in in a bad mood... Everyone else has to tiptoe around daddy. Everyone else has to move to facilitate, to accommodate. Let's not make it worse. Mm. If one of the kids kicks off, you know, you don't be upset your mother now. She's enough to be dealing with. And we all try to, we all move accordingly to facilitate the other pieces within within the family. Because it's all about trying to find that balance. Mm. And this is the family this is the family dynamics that, that play out then. And 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 Chris and Chris Chris spoke on that in, in his own experience of stepping into that and, you know, wanting to help out his mom as much as possible yeah, after, it, after the, his, dad died the death of his father. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. One thing that really shook me, Alan, was when Chris was talking about the fact that he didn't know even now if he was being groomed back then. Mm-hmm. And when you explained grooming, he was able to say, Yeah. Looking back now, I was groomed. It's yeah. something we don't want to talk about, we don't want to listen to, but we should understand it a little bit more. It's a horrific act, obviously, but I think we need to explain it more so we can understand the process, so we can all look out for our kids and just warn them of what to look out for.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. As I says, it's so subtle. Uh, and, and and the post I put up on the social media, one, one of the quotes from the episode was, child... You know, people that abuse children they're so adept at at gaining trust because you have Mm. to have access to the family you have to and like this is the thing is that you know it's usually not a stranger it's usually someone within the family yeah yeah. whether that's the immediate family or the extended family or someone that's known known within the family Mm. Um, because that's the easier access and it's always the it's always the the uncle that you're supposed to stay away from or stuff like that like you know um Mm. So it, it, it is a piece that's, and I think it just comes comes to educating the children to let them know that, you know, it's not oh, it's never okay for anyone to touch it or, you know, you have to tell me if anyone tries to or, you know, anything like that. That they need to be educated. Yeah. Around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the grooming piece of which Chris came to go, oh shit, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Looking um, back now, he was obviously groomed, groomed.
1: with alcohol.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's all about that. It's all about gaining the trust of. This is our little secret. You know, don't yeah, no one yeah. knows you. I can give yeah. you alcohol or anything like that. Um, and it's just you know, just gaining that trust. Just mm-hmm. just pushing that boundary that little bit, and and then you know, Chris was essentially as a blackmailed, essentially. Yeah. You know, from from what you described, if if you don't, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell people or. When you think about uh, it now,
1: you know, obviously, uh, from a child's point of view, he was obviously afraid that his family would extradite him and go, mm, we want mm, nothing to do with you. But mm. realistically, an adult is not going to go to a parent and say, I've been having sex with a minor.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, You know, but
1: from a child's point of view, they're going, oh, I could be in big trouble. And they've probably Mm, convinced mm. him that you'll be in big trouble.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and Chris touched upon that. It, It wasn't that, you know, his fear wasn't that... You know, if he told them, it would be that, it wasn't that he was abused. It was that he was gay. Yeah. And the family would throw him out for being gay. Yeah. But what, what, what was it like for you? I mean, obviously, you know, we didn't didn't go into much detail and I was very conscious of that. on, on it. But what was it like for you to hear that story? I mean, this is, this is, mm. this is a, you know, that was a Wednesday or a Thursday for me. Like, you know, that's, this is the kind of stuff I hear. I hear, you hear all, it all the time. The time yeah. yeah. What, what was um, it like to hear it for yourself? Being totally
1: honest, I was a little bit nervous going into the interview because I thought Mm. to myself, um, am I comfortable listening to this? Mm. Because I knew, look, as an adult, as a parent, we need to know more about what goes on. It's so so common. Mm. But I was, you know, I was a little bit, I think it was a little bit nervous for Chris as well, because in fairness, he chose us to tell his story to. And Mm. I wanted him to be comfortable. I wanted him to be happy. I didn't want to throw anything at him that he would be uncomfortable with. And uh, in fairness, Chris, Made it very easy To talk to him about it But you know I did Afterwards I did Feel a little bit Kind of My head was spinning A little bit Trying to take Mm. all the information And go Jesus Mm -hmm. that's You know It's it's a tough story to tell And he told it so well And um, But it was something that After it kind of Digested with me And I listened to it uh, Again obviously I edit the podcast So I have to listen Mm. to it a, A few times and um, the more and more I thought about it, the more I thought of questions to ask you now. <laughs>
0: you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that I never
1: yeah. thought of at the time. And yeah. not questions I necessarily want to ask Chris, but mm. questions I'd like to put to you to say. Well, how do we deal with this? Or is this something you normally see on a regular basis? Or what can this lead to? You know. Um, yeah,
0: you know, as as unique as Chris is, and and as unique as his story is, it's not it's not unique at all. Yeah. That, that is serious uh, that yeah. that's I mean Chris's story is basically textbook sexual abuse that's not to dismiss or diminish his his experience absolutely it's just yeah. and I will and I can guarantee you that I'd say anyone that has been through it and had listened to the episode was like yep 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 that yep. yeah because because I've heard it so many times yeah
1: you know one thing that occurred to me as well is that how many people out there still don't realize that they have been groomed? Mm. You know, because I remember growing up where young girls would actually brag about having sex with adults. You know, yeah, it was like yeah, a, a badge yeah. of honor nearly, and yeah, delighted yeah. that they achieved this conquest. When yeah. in actual fact, they were more
0: likely groomed. Mm. I, I remember a girl in my class, and she would blatantly, and all the fucking stuff went around oh, she's a tramp, she's a slut. And she would be in school, you know, we'd be in fifth or sixth year and going around bragging about this affair she was having with a married man and you know she was 15, 16 maybe 17 Mm. you know and look there's obviously other other issues there that that's the world you're brought into but yeah yeah, look and and we all know it we all know as teenagers you know and this is what we're talking you know when we talk about teenagers that's a whole other kettle of fish than young children Mm -hmm. but we all know as teenagers you think you fucking know everything
1: oh yeah you think you're yeah, practically an adult like just absolutely give yeah, you an yeah. ID but, and yeah, yeah <laughs> license yeah. to drive and you're, you're yeah.
0: happy out you know yeah but of course but we don't no, because if we go back not. to Dunning-Gruder we, no. we don't know what we don't know yeah <laughs> and the fact true. that you, you know so little things mean you, you think you know a lot you know it all yeah yeah but uh, and you know adolescence mm-hmm. then as as we spoke about before you know was up to 24 you know your brain is still developing up to 24, 25 mm. and that's an adolescent. When you take children that have experienced trauma, and, you know, childhood trauma is probably um, a better description for, for the episode. Um, you know, that literally changes the way their brain forms. Yeah, true. Literally.
1: Just on that note, um, and I am, I'm a little bit conscious that we're talking a lot about Chris when this is, is childhood trauma in general like yeah, Chris isn't yeah, yeah. and Chris is here and you know we will talk to Chris in the future uh, but one thing that struck me was um, when Chris said his coping technique was to forget it ever happened mm-hmm. and he was fine with that but looking back at it now it led him to isolate friends discover the wrong friends and it led him to some very unhealthy relationships so mm-hmm. by just saying forget about it and move on it does have an effect on you
0: yeah, yeah and again you know I didn't I wanted I wanted to allow uh, Chris to tell a story and which is why I suggest that we do a kind of follow up around trauma in and of itself um, because you know I didn't I didn't want to get into the kind of the informative piece that I normally do on it you know I wanted to kind of give the scope for Chris to, 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 to tell his story. Mm. Um, so what, what, what you're talking about um, with that? um as, as i said for young kids it literally changes their brain it literally changes how your how your brain is wired and this, this i'm not i'm not talking about chris with this i'm talking about in a, in a general sense that your brain is literally changed by this so what um when we talk about trauma so there's, there's two kinds of trauma there's type one trauma and type two trauma so type one trauma is a one-time event so this would be a car crash or a uh, physical assault oh, yeah, or sexual yeah. assault it, it, it's a one-time event and usually with that then there is usually a strong memory you, you basically remember everything about it mm. um gener- generally speaking and then type 2 trauma is uh ongoing repetitive and it tends to be interpersonal so uh, by interpersonal I mean it's, it's involving another person and this is where physical abuse sexual abuse um, comes in so for people that have experienced type 2 trauma you know when we think about trauma you know we think about a, you know a soldier in a war zone or something like yeah. that and uh, you know they hear they hear a loud bang and they, they duck and cover uh, because that's that's what's um, that's that's what they learned you know so for people that have experienced type 2 trauma interpersonal trauma for them uh, a, a, a trauma flashback or you know a, that that duck and cover kind of thing could be just talking to another person or you know we're walking down the street and I put my hand up for high five P mm. you know that raised hand can be a trigger okay, and can, can be re-traumatizing for them because they might have been fucking battered growing up and you know a raised hand in the air meant you were about to get the shit kicked out of you so your brain has kind of rewired itself to say, yeah, so look out makes for you, this." Yeah, so you you, you develop um, uh, a kind of heightened startle response, and you know trauma is it's it, it's any event that that overwhelms the, the central nervous system, mm-hmm. uh, and then it affects how we can recall memory. Um, so, for example, you know someone goes into someone goes into the guard station saying they've been saying they've been raped. Okay, what's he look like? I can't remember. What was he wearing? Can't remember. And they're going, hang on a fucking minute. You're coming in here saying, saying you've been raped? You don't know what he looks like? You don't know what he was wearing? Because they don't understand neurobiology. They don't understand the brain. So what happens in events like that, when we get into that highly stressed, threatened, life, life-threatening, life dangerous situation, mm. your brain goes into pure survival mode. So we spoke about it before in the anxiety, one, want to fight or flight. But there's fight, flight, freeze. Or faint slash yeah, yeah. faint death, um, and when we're in that highly highly stressed state, um, and you know this, you would see this in people that might be in the middle of a fight, an argument, and they say some horrible shit because they're they're not thinking clearly, and then they can't remember. Oh, I hmm. don't remember saying that for for this very reason. So what happens is the hippocampus, which is involved in in memory storage, starts starts producing cortisol instead. So it's it's like you know you can't access your files on the hard drive. Because the hard drive's not plugged in, <laughs> okay, so the, so the file isn't there because so what, it, it hasn't been rolled to the hard drive. So what does cortisol do to you? So cortisol is a stress hormone, so that 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 sends a signal to the brain to the body uh, to produce adrenaline and you know triggers' uh, is oh, okay. involved heavily in the in the fight or flight um, and, and you know these stress hormones they're, they're meant to give us strength and endurance and to to respond to these extraordinary circumstances mm. but it's only supposed to be short-lived. So for the people that experience type 2 trauma, they have very mixed memories. They don't remember a lot of it. They don't remember the specifics because they're in such a highly, highly stressed state that, that, that their brain literally isn't working properly. So you'd get very, I don't know really when it was. I don't know what age I was. And I can't remember. You, know, you, you, you get a lot of this.
1: Is that because they would shut
0: down when it's happening and kind of yeah, leave,
1: leave their own body effectively? and Yeah,
0: well, that that's that's dissociation um is is what you're talking is what you're talking about there but it's also the fact that that part of their brain isn't plugged in properly okay so they're not they're not recording memories um and you know how how do you how do you access a file on your computer that hasn't been saved there Mm. but it can then come back in flashbacks or or trauma i remember i did um uh, I did. A, I was at a conference with uh, Dan Siegel. Uh, I think I might have mentioned him in a, in another episode. Uh, very famous neuroscientist and author around a lot around trauma and stuff like that. And um, at the at the conference, he was talking about. Um, so he's he's American, and he's uh, so he would, he would call them patients or clients. But uh, um, he was talking about this 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 client that he had that um, the boyfriend rang or something like that. To, to, to bring the girlfriend in. she basically had a psychotic break. Um just complete you know, kind of mental breakdown. Um, brought her in, didn't know what was happening. Uh, I, I suppose just to just to give a warning to people that, you know, if this if this does if this is a very difficult thing, switch off, come back if, if mm. you need to, uh, you know, and, and this is a thing to, to, to remember around traumas that, you know, stuff can trigger, you know, and, and uh, can trigger memories, can trigger emotional states you know so just just to be conscious of that so you know but i can't tell the story without telling the story so just just Mm -hmm. to be conscious that if people are triggered if it is a very difficult thing for you have a listen you know come back come back when you're ready to when you're able to so it turned out that um the girl had been gang raped by her brother and um a few of his friends in a barn and in the uh, inside the barn but it was raining so it was the, um, it was actually the, 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 water. So when, when the boyfriend brought her in, uh, they had been having sex in the shower and okay. it triggered, it triggered the flashback mm. to the rain, uh, the sexual contact of when she was gang raped. Mm. So she, he described then of, you know, she dis, dis, she dissociated at the time and this dissociation is just, again, our brain's way of coping with something hugely traumatic. So we kind of split off. Okay. Uh, and we kind of step out of ourselves, um, psychically, uh, more or less. And she, she says she just focused in, in the barn. There was a flower growing up in the corner of the barn or something and she just focused on that and just imagined all these flowers just growing on the... On the barn, Jeez. on the on the roof. So it was triggered by that experience of uh, sex with the water, and it triggered the flashback to the sexual, the rape with her brother and his friends in the barn with the with the rain falling on the on the roof. So but due to the nature of it, he said that he um, he he brought the parents in, um, and, and this you know as bad as that is. This, 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 bit gets, this bit gets worse. Uh, he said the, the parents were both educated. I think both PhDs, you know, so education, probably quite wealthy individuals. Mm-hmm. And um, the father would kind of excuse this as, uh, oh, but her um, little Jenny up the road, her, her brother used to have sex with her. Like. And he was just kind of like, oh, yeah, but sure. And then it transpired that he had raped, raped her. And he spoke about it. And and Dan Siegel says he, he, he didn't know what was worse hearing the story or hearing hearing the father admit so casually within it yeah. to raping his raping his own daughter. He said he had to sit on his hands mm. for wanting to pretty much box the head off them yeah. like. Um So there's there's your dissociation, there's your traumatic flashback. Mm. What's the difference between trauma and PTSD? So so PTSD is after the event, so that's that's post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, so this is where there's nightmares, there's flashbacks. Um, You know, I've had clients, you know, um, with the... Um, you know that have that have been sexually abused in childhood, and they're and they're coming in, and something happens, some trivial event in their in their life happens, or someone says something, or something happens, and they just get flooded then again with all these flashbacks. And the thing about trauma is when when an individual is experiencing uh, a traumatic flashback, because the kind of memory isn't stored properly. And, and the guy that literally wrote the book on trauma, Bessel van der Kolk, and uh, the name of the book is The Body Keeps the Score. So trauma is held in the body. It isn't stored as as a as a memory as, as we know it. And this is where therapy comes in to help with that. Because it's nearly like, um, it's nearly like just these sporadic emotions trapped in the body and trapped in the brain. And there hasn't been a linear thought process. Which is why you know, for for someone that experiences trauma, that's experiencing a flashback, their their brain is considering that as if it's happening in the here and now. It, okay. It doesn't it doesn't register it as a as a memory. Okay. I get so you, when we yeah. start to talk about it, we we create a narrative and we start to understand and process it that bit more. That okay, this was something, this was an event that happened back then, this isn't happening now. Um, and this is this is what helps to, to deal with that. Mm. And um, so for, for people that have experienced that and uh, the PTSD and again, as we spoke before about the um, about the amygdala, um, you know, that 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 can get stuck in the kind of on position. So that's the, the kind of smoke alarm that deals with fight or flight. Mm. And for people that have experienced trauma they have a hugely heightened startle response. So for anyone out there that's experienced uh, sexual abuse or physical abuse, you know they're very jumpy. So the slightest bang, and they're and they're jumping out of their skin. Uh, I had a I had a girlfriend before who um, had experienced severe physical abuse and childhood. There was there was also incidences of uh, sexual abuse from a, from an external family member. And if I was coming up the stairs, I'd have to bang on the stairs as it was coming up to make to it let her know to let her know I was coming. Yeah, the amount of times I just walk into the room or I call her name and she would leap out of her skin. Wow! Like, like, like you, like you couldn't imagine. Like, a, like a gunshot went off beside mm. her head. So, uh,
1: would trauma then lead to other issues like anxiety, like
0: depression? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So as I, as I said, it gives you that. Uh, so uh, that that heightened startle response. And, you know, for people then with trauma, with PTSD, so they start re-experiencing symptoms, so they get flashbacks. So it could be just anything that triggers it. They could be walking down the road. The experience, the experience of flashback, straight back into. um, For, I I can't, I I don't want to spoil it, but uh, for for anyone that, that you heard me talking about The Last of Us 2, Mm. uh, I, I I won't mention anything, but for anyone that plays the game right at the end, uh, one of the characters that brilliantly demonstrate what what a flashback is like um, you just go straight back as if it's happening in the here and now well, know, and it's yeah. brilliantly well done in within the game so for people with PTSD so of re-experience those symptoms whether it's flashbacks whether it's nightmares um, just constant frightening thoughts and then then there's the avoidance so you avoid places you you avoid reminders of the event of the person, I've had many, many clients who have, um, have been sexually abused within the family home, and they will not go back there. Okay. As, as adults, they hate going back to the family home because it's it's a traumatic reminder. Yeah. Um, you know that it can be numb, so everything has just been been so overwhelming that you just become numb because mm. you can't you can't experience things. Um, anything and then the then the hyper arousal so being easily frightened um constantly feeling on edge constantly feeling feeling tense um and then difficulty sleeping because your mind is just racing the whole yeah. time so i mean they're 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 the common things around around trauma but as i said then with with ongoing physical sexual abuse in childhood it changes the um it cha- literally changes the, the way the brain is wired, um, and so for for um, for kids that have experienced that inter- interpersonal trauma or neglect or you know severe abandonment, um, you know that this brings up issues around memory, their attention, uh, not being able to relate to other kids, and what happens usually is they end up being diagnosed with ADHD. They, call it, they can't sit still, they're just they're constantly on edge, has ADHD, but actually what they might, they might be experiencing is what's called uh, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, or, or developmental, developmental um, uh, trauma. Oh. So because this is how much the, the, um, their brain has changed, and then there's a significantly high correlation then between interpersonal childhood trauma and serious mental illness in later life. I think there's something like a 80% correlation between uh, borderline personality disorder and childhood uh, sexual abuse. No way. Yeah. So it has massive, massive impact then in, in later life. Because it's interpersonal, you know, it's very hard to fight people. So when they get into then romantic relationships and, you know, whether it's sex or whether it's just being generally intimate and vulnerable. That becomes a hugely difficult thing to yeah. to negotiate because trust has been broken, safety has been broken, and um you know how how do you how do you move through life without without coming in contact with people and Chris said it himself last week that
1: he avoided people who asked how he was too much, mm-hmm. avoided people mm-hmm. who are i suppose look, we all have our good friends. And Mm. we know our good friends, we can go out and we can say, look, can I chat to you about something? And they'll listen to you and it'll be no judgment. But Chris obviously avoided them kind of people because he didn't want to be judged as such. He didn't want um, to be pitied in his own words. So that kind of, um, that to me, deprived him of proper friendship growing up Mm -hmm. and deprived him of proper relationships. Yeah. Because as you said before, and it's something that really struck me, your brain is there to protect you. That's there to say, I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. I'm looking mm-hmm. after you. So mm-hmm. obviously it has to be rewired. Yeah. Your trauma rewires the brain to say, "Yeah, yeah let's yeah. make sure this doesn't happen again. Let's make sure if you hear this noise, you react like this. Yeah. Or if you see this, this is what you do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that right or wrong or am I no, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So so the problem the problem with that is I mean a, a child's a child's brain is uh, has evolved to thrive, which is why kids are great in school, you know, they get to a certain, you know, they they, they thrive under certain conditions. They're hungry for information. Um and you know, their natural their natural instinct is for creative exploration, they explore the world and just suss out the way things are because obviously they don't know anything. I I tell you something. <laughs> Yesterday,
1: I drew a picture of a Viking for my four-year-old, okay? And I told her, this is a Viking. Mm. Next question, what's a Viking? I'm like, oh, mm. shit, what is a Viking? And <laughs> uh, they came over from, I don't know, Denmark, Sweden or Norway, and they came over to try and take charge of our country. Why did they do that? Mm. She said, I don't know, you know. They built castles on it, big boats. Where are the cats? Like, oh, shit. And the last thing she said to me before she went to bed tonight was, um, will you find out more about Vikings so I can talk brilliant. to you about it tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant,
0: brilliant. But and that's, you're right. that's what, You know, they they try. That's what yeah. their brain is built for. Yeah. yeah, because you have to remember, they don't know anything. No, you're right. You all we all brain. we know, like they're, they're literally coming from a from a blank canvas. Mm. We we learned as because we've gained from experience. Mm. You know, when when their brain is you know moves into that 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 space for creative exploration. When they experience trauma, then they're just put into a defensive p- position of survival. Right. Yeah. So the brain moves to a space of just trying to survive rather than thrive. If somebody is suffering from trauma and
1: they don't do anything about it, can they pass on their mm. habits to their children? Yeah. yeah. yeah can yeah, they pass yeah. on?
0: I'm not even going to let you. I'm not even going to let you finish the sentence. Okay. One hundred percent. Right. One hundred and ten percent. How did they do that? Parent. Parents mm. unresolved trauma. Gets passed on to the child. It's true sure. to behaviour. It's true, many many different things. So for you know for a for a parent that's been say battered by their by their um, by their parents, you know, and then they go on to batter their children. It's because they haven't worked through the trauma of being beaten, and they think that this is not that this is normal. It's the done thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I very often, very often in, in clients that I see with uh, particularly the female clients that I see with eating disorders. Uh, very often there's, it's it's internalized issues around food from their, generally speaking, their mother. Mm. So the mother gets very conscious that the child might be putting on weight because they have their own issues with weight and they have tried Weight Watchers and they have tried Slim and yeah, word and yeah. diet, after diet after diet after diet after diet. And this sends a signal then what, around food. That it's not okay to be, it's not okay to put on a bit of weight. It's not okay to be fat. You have to be mm. this, you have to be that. Uh, and comments then around Do you want to watch what you're eating now. Yeah, yeah, There's this kind of thing. So it's it's a multi generational trauma that mm. gets passed. And 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 in Ireland, we are victims of generational trauma. Whether that's through the church, whether that's through the famine. Okay. As as we as we talk about food, I mean, you're only talking about what your great grandparents or maybe your great great grandparents mm, that lived through the famine. Yeah. yeah. And what 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 does that breed? What does that, what gets passed on to the next generation then around food, you know, all of this, you know, through sectarianism, being ruled by the, by the British, you know, it still goes on, it's up the north. It'll never change. It's bred into them, the yeah. Brits and the Catholics and the Protestants and the, all of this, mm. because it's been passed down and passed down and passed down. Yeah. So, what, and what I often remind clients, uh, particularly parents that come into me, I'll say it's from, nothing will bring up unresolved issues. From your childhood. Like having a child. So you, you take this little thing that. Hopefully. You adore with your fucking absolute entire being. And you couldn't imagine. Ever hurting it. And you would literally kill. Or be killed for this child. Mm-hmm. And you have this thing. And you're holding it. And you're gazing adoringly at it. And you're going. Hang on a minute. How come I was fucking battered with a stick? How, how could it do that to me? Mm. how how could and particularly uh, around clients that might have a have a have a child around the same age as a traumatic event might have happened to them that mm. that can trigger a lot unconsciously for people so and then you're thinking hang on and and i, and I will always ask clients that have you know because obviously they're, they're coming at it with the mentality of a of an adult and they and they're looking back to a child. And so I will always ask, you know, if they have a child or a uh, nephew or a cousin or something of the same age. And usually what I do then is I will kind of demonstrate my hand to the height of a child depending on their age. So okay. two-year-old, obviously very low, you know, maybe a four-year-old up to, up to my hip kind of thing. And and I've had clients cry when I've done that, that they imagine a child that size being beaten or being sexually abused. Mm. Because that's what they were, yes. but when you can when you can imagine that, and I say, can you imagine your daughter? Can you imagine your son being beaten with a stick, mm. the way you were? Can you imagine your daughter, your son being sexually abused, coming to you, telling you about it, and you telling them to shut up? Jesus Christ! You know, and they and they can't fathom it mm. because it, it it beggars it beggars belief. Yeah. So how do we get over trauma? Generally, you need some good people in your life. Um, you, you, you need those good interpersonal relationships. But this is the problem then because people can be a threat. People can be scary. So it can be very hard to form those relationships. Um, and, and for people then that, that have experienced that, um, you know, they do tend to get, and, and we touched on it in previous episodes and Chris touched on it a little bit himself as well, you do get into dysfunctional relationships. Mm. So there's what's called um, the ACE score, um, and, and the ACE the ACE score stands for uh, adverse childhood experience. This was a, a, a research. This was a study uh, conducted by the, the CDC, so the Center for Disease Control in uh, in America. So I mean, it's a pretty pretty respected agency. This was, this was carried out, I think it was about 97, 98 and has been a continuous uh, a continuous assessment then ever since. What, what the ACE is, is an adverse childhood uh, experience and your ACE score then. So you basically asked 10 questions and basically the higher the score, the more you're going to be fucked in later life. The ACE score um, revolves around, uh, it's based around 10, um, 10 questions. So they're, they're kind of they're based under three types of um, categories so it's abuse then household dysfunction and these are between zero and 17 or 0 and 18 in your age and the sort of questions are, and and i would i, I would advise people to take take the ace test uh, you'd be very surprised and you'd be very very more surprised then of the uh the outcome of this. And this, I think this was done with like 17,000 participants. So question one of 10. So before your 18th birthday, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down or humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt? Before your 18th birthday, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you, or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? Before you're eighteen, Bertha did an adult or person at least five years older than you ever touch or fondle you, or have you touched their body in a sexual way, or attempt or actually have oral, anal or vaginal intercourse with you? Before you're eighteen, Bertha, did you often or very often feel that no one in your family loved you, or thought you were important, or special, or your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other, or support each other? Before you're eighteen, Bertha, did you often or very often feel that you didn't have enough to eat, had to wear dirty clothes, and had no one to protect you, or your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it. Before your eighteen, birthday was a biological parent, ever lost you through divorce, abandonment, or other reason. Before your eighteen, birthday was your mother or stepmother, often or very often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at her, or sometimes often or very often kick, bitten, hit with a fist, or hit with something hard, or ever repeatedly hit over at least a few minutes, or threatened with a gun or knife? Before your 18, birthday, did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic, or who used street drugs? Before your 18, birthday, was a household member depressed or mentally ill, or did a household member attempt suicide? Before your 18, birthday, did a household member go to prison? There are the 10 questions. Most people have, have an A score of at least one. Um, and what is, uh, what's the range of severity? Four plus. Okay. Four plus is, that's, that's uh, very, that's very substantial. Mm.
1: You could nearly look at that the other way around and go, if that never happened to me, I'm, I'm pretty good or my parents yeah, yeah. did a good job or uh, I came from yeah. a good household, you know? Yeah. Good exactly, family home. Yeah. Yeah, mm. so
0: if you have those, and particularly, you know, we we focus on the kind of on the kind of higher ones, the four plus, which is what, so higher higher chance of being an alcoholic, higher chronic depression, higher rates of being prescribed antidepressants, uh, higher risk of perpetrating domestic violence, prevalence of liver disease, hepatitis and jaundice, smoking, you're more likely to smoke, higher chance of being raped, and that's about a thirty percent increase. So that's pretty substantial for four plus yeah. Yeah. higher chance of suicide um more likely to have underage sex more likely for teenage pregnancy and teenage paternity uh, more likely to have impaired work performance and the list goes on but what all of this shows is you have those experiences in childhood this is how it manifests mm. in later life yeah you know you're you're Difficulty then forming relations, maintaining yeah. relationships. its It just goes on and on, which is why the ACE, the ACE score and the ACE test has such a massive, massive societal implications that these things need to be nipped in the bud. We need to address these things yeah. at the source in childhood because obviously then this has a huge impact on society in terms of healthcare costs, imprisonment, divorce, uh, school. Mm-hmm you know it's it's a huge huge uh, ramifications in, yeah. in in the wider society
1: and can you recover from childhood trauma or can mm-hmm. you just
0: learn to live with it no i think uh, fully recover i don't know but i've i've seen enough i've worked with enough and look i take a lot of uh, i do a lot of extra training and workshops around around trauma and and the neuroscience around it because um it it comes in you know, it, it comes into the office, and it's 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 just an area of, of particular interest for me, and because mm. uh, I see the damage that that it does in in yeah. adults in in later life. But I've certainly I've certainly seen people, and I've helped people work through work through an awful an awful lot of 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 what we've just spoken about.
1: And how do you work through it? Is just talking about it good enough, or do you have to work at it?
0: It's it's certainly it's certainly a huge a huge factor of it. But the other thing is about People who've experienced trauma like that, they tend to hold themselves very, very rigidly. What do you mean? So, so how do they hold? So you're nearly in a constant brace for impact. Okay. You know, you're tense, you're on edge. That's, that's your body holding itself in a kind of a defensive position. So if I said to you, I'm going to fucking hit your dig, you, you brace you for brace impact. brace for impact. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And for people that have experienced trauma and with the amygdala that kind of is always in the on position. You're constantly in that state, okay. And the the, the individual that I mentioned, I was that I was in a a relationship with. You know, I would constantly be. You know, if there was you know sort of traumatic flashback or anything like that, I'd be having to constantly say, "Breathe, breathe. I am breathing. You're not breathing. Breathe, breathe out. Yeah. So you breathe in, but you hold it. And right. Uh, and they'd be like, "I am breathing. Like you're not fucking breathing. Breathe out. Trust me. Breathe out." And then they'd go, mm. and then go, oh, yeah, no. I, wasn't, I wasn't breathing. Yeah. So it's about, you know, you're just, and you can imagine what that's like. You can imagine what it's like to constantly go around in that brace for impact position. Yeah. And how exhausting that is. So the first thing is about being able to put yourself into that relaxed body state. And this is where it focuses on the breath, focusing on the out breath, letting the body know that it's okay It's okay to relax Mm. when you can get the body back into a, into that relaxed state, then, you know, you have, you have the opportunity then to be able to talk yourself down. Okay. So, you know, you can remind yourself, this is a flashback. This isn't happening in the here and now. Mm. This is a memory.
1: Yeah. So mindfulness would be a bit of help to say yeah, yeah, you, yeah. what am I looking for. Particularly any,
0: anything that works with the body. Uh, and again okay. to go back to the Vanderkock book, uh, the body keeps a score. You know, it's about also incorporating the body. So yoga, Pilates, stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, as 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 the expression around trauma is the issues are in the tissue. Very good. Yeah, you know, it's in it's in your it's in your body. So
1: you're you're effectively rewiring your brain. Yeah. 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 And like any other muscle in your body, your brain is a muscle. And it mm. has to be worked out. Yeah. You
0: know? mm. Well, it's not. It's not the uh, I, I know what you're saying. Just, just to clarify that
1: bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> Look, with me with my fucking master
0: of science. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, no, what your right, brain is, right. is is it's a, it's a fucking load of fat, <laughs> 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 primarily based around fat, and mm. and all all our thoughts are is just chemicals and electricity. Yeah.
1: You know, when Chris first spoke to us last week uh, about the, uh, the abuse he endured, it was a pretty brave move. And I think when people speak out, that's them saying to the abuser, you didn't win this one. Mm. Because, you know, from the, the reaction to last week's podcast and the conversation around it, it seems like silence is an abuser's ultimate victory. Oh, by yeah. talking openly, you're taking that away from them and they've lost. So would you recommend to anybody who has endured that kind of childhood trauma to speak out and say, yeah. hey, this happened well, and you're not winning this one?
0: Yeah, well, well legally I'm, I'm obligated. <laughs> I'm ethically obligated to, to encourage a client to, to report because um, it's now illegal. It didn't used to be illegal, but it's now illegal not to... Mm. Not to report it um, because it comes under the Children's First Act. Okay. And it's not about necessarily getting justice, but it's about making sure that no other children are at risk from, yeah. from that individual. But then we get into Tools and the reporting and the. Yeah, as we did last the, week. Yeah, all that, that goes along with that. Like, shocking, yeah. But th- there is also the piece around, and um, what I'd also always encourage clients is it's about empowering them mm. yeah, to do it and to get the justice for themselves. Yeah, But then that happens and then, you know, if it's a family member, very often other family members can turn against that individual and that person that is now reporting is ostracized. Yeah, how dare you, you out break a family? family or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, like, whoa, yeah. hang on a second. How fucking dare he sexually abuse me? Yeah, How dare he sexually abuse you and you? Mm. Why am I the only one coming forward with this? Yeah,
1: I think you said it last week that... As soon as somebody raised the issue, the first reaction is denial. No, that couldn't mm. have happened to yeah. you. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to, okay, well, let's sit down and talk about this. because this is serious.
0: Yeah, well, look, I mean, the, the other side of it is, is I've had clients who the mother has known. Now that
1: is horrific.
0: Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying to mother shame here, you know, I'm not, not into doing anything of that. But generally speaking, if it's, if it's the father, many, many times I've heard that the other parent knew. They're just as bad really, aren't they? No, they're, they're complicit. They're facilitating. It. They're yeah. not doing anything. And look, it's it's, you know, usually coming from a place of fear. They're probably being battered by the by the husband, or raped by the husband themselves, and they're they're, they're afraid to speak up or speak out. But it happens. Mm.
1: As you said, um, not saying anything is um, almost as bad as
0: that. The not said has as much of an impact of what is said. Yeah, that was it. I, yeah, I don't. Exactly. I don't think that. I don't think that's strong enough to cover this one. I think. I think that you're saying of. uh all it takes is for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing mm, say nothing you yeah, know yeah. And, and, and and to keep that evil um, and, and the impact that it has and you know I'm, I'm grateful that I've been able to turn their life around on it but I've seen people that have been very very damaged mm. as, as a result of as a result of this come into me mm. um, and you know, I would also encourage anyone that that has experienced this has experienced trauma whether it's physical abuse whether it's sexual abuse um and that and that suffers mental health issues with this you know i I think it's so wrong and I would encourage people to consider this for themselves. I think it's so wrong to say that th- that person has a- me- mental illness because of what happened that's a fucking mental injury true someone yeah. has done that to you yeah you know if I have the flu that's that's an illness yeah if we're playing soccer and you break my leg that's an injury you yeah. did you did that to me yeah. And and, and and for people that have a mental illness that's been put upon them by someone else, that's mm. a mental injury. Someone is responsible for that, and yeah. it's not you. I think that's important. That's very important. That uh, and it goes, back, it goes back to the point that I said, I think I mentioned it last week. It's not about what's wrong with you. Mm. It's about what's happened to you. Yeah,
1: but it's great to see that from your point of view, you have seen a lot of success stories. Mm. You have seen people who are, able to turn their life around, or able to function correctly as such and deal with the trauma. There is light at the end of the tunnel.
0: There is hope. Mm. There is absolutely hope. Yeah. And look, some, sometimes it, it, it gets worse. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. And, and and people that come in to me, is like, you know, now I'm having all these fucking flashbacks. This was stuff I didn't remember. And now it's all coming back. And as bad as that is, it's actually a good thing because mm. it means now the psyche is ready to process it. And you know, as, as Chris mentioned last week, well, I had a coping mechanism, I just forgot about it. Yeah, and and that's worked. It worked to an extent. It, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does work. Yeah. It, it's a coping. It's a coping strategy. But that's the thing. Your own temporary coping. job. your are yeah, yeah, yeah. cracks, like. yeah. And, and and the way I the way I would describe coping strategies, I had a I had a client a couple of years ago, and I don't know how it came out, but in in what we were talking about, but he said he was slow to walk as a baby. But mm. so it used to roll. So you just roll on the ground mm. in, in, instead of walking. Yeah. And as he was telling me, you just sometimes have these epiphanies in in the session and, and that was one of those epiphanies of ah that's how we describe a coping mechanism. It's a coping strategy. Mm. And that and it worked. Yeah. In the house. You got for it might be carpet. That strategy to some work outside where there's glass and stones and things that can hurt you. It's better for someone to come along and help you to walk. Rolling yeah. around It might help And it might do the job But sometimes there's a better job There's a better way to do it Yeah Brilliant Yeah, It's funny
1: what you were saying there About the um, You know People who feel worse After talking about it initially mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I was uh I was cleaning out the uh, The shower the other day The plug was blocked And I poured all this Cleaner fluid down it mm. And all this cack Just came flooding out Of the fucking Bottom of the shower gunk Mm. the hair the Mm. cream Mm. the shower gel Mm. but as soon as you rinse it away it's perfect you know but it had to come back up in order for it to go back (laughs) out you know what i mean
0: (laughs) brilliant brilliant description you gotta clean out the gunk first
1: yeah and like that you know we talk about the mental but the mental is also the physical Mm. Mm. you know it has to come from somewhere and go somewhere you know it just doesn't disappear into thin air you know everything is matter every thought is matter yeah,
0: that's why it's that's why it's held in the body. Mm, absolutely, and, you know, yeah. Your your, your your biography becomes your biology. Mm, brilliant. The yeah. the things that happen to you shape the way you hold yourself, the shape the way you walk, the shape the way you sit. You know, as a, a, I remember, for for those that might be on the on the more spiritual side, I remember someone telling me before the face you were born with, God gave you the face you you have at forty is the face you give yourself. And it's true.
1: You can tell somebody who's a warrior, somebody who stresses yeah, yeah. a lot, because they're you know, they're, they're it's wrinkled It's written up. on their face. Yeah, they're, they're grey, yeah. they're, they're struggling, yeah. they're stressed out, yeah. you know. And you've often hear. I know it sounds shocking, but uh, you'll often hear that the the Irish wake or the removal. Oh, they looked well, not a wrinkle on their face. They're yeah. lying there in the coffin. Of course, mm-hmm. there's no stress anymore. Nothing to worry yeah, about yeah. It anymore.
0: And they're probably fucking filled with embalming
1: fluid <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> that can help, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, and, and it's the reality. And, you know, as, as we joked about Tinder earlier, you know, very often... People would say to me, Oh, you don't look your age. I say, Yeah, I don't smoke and I'm not a big drinker. Yeah. And and I would see it. I would see the difference on, on dating sites between smokers and non smokers. I mean, mm. that's just a simple example of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have been affected by by anything that's 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 been discussed uh, within this topic we understand it is it is a very heavy topic it's a very serious situation but uh, it does need to be talked about because abuse thrives on silence and and we need to we need to break that silence we need to we need to break that stigma and, and people need to understand that as as a child you know you had you had no choice in this uh, you were the child these individuals are adults it is important to keep yourself safe if if this topic has triggered anything for you please do reach out to someone you care about someone that is safe or a professional if this if this has brought brought stuff up for you if you would like to share y- your own story and you know i think i think from what many people will will know from listening to chris's story is it's very relatable for, for individuals that have gone through this, please, please do get in contact. Um, let us know your story. If there's anything you'd like to share, anything you're comfortable, something you want the world to know of what you went through and the hope that it may help someone else that has gone through this, then, then please do get in contact. Email us at Gmail, or get us on on any of the social media. We, we, we will hold that information in the strictest of confidence. We will reach out to you if, there, if there's anything else you'd, you'd like to talk about. But, but please do keep yourself safe, turn to someone that is safe for you, someone you trust, talk to a professional if you have to, but most importantly, look after yourself. How was that for you? They're, they're, it's a fairly heavy topic. It's not it's not easy to hear some of this stuff.
1: I never taught a trauma. You mm. know, it's something I never associated with. Uh, you know, people obviously go through um, abusive childhoods and that. Mm. Um, I just always had it down as, you know, they were suffering from abuse. But obviously, mm-hmm. trauma is what follows after that, and yeah. you know it's a big, big eye opener for me because, uh, as you were saying, it leads to other conditions. Um, it, forms ourself, it forms our self, it forms our behaviour, our children's behaviour. You know, yeah. for anybody who's suffered trauma and hasn't dealt yeah. with it, you know, um, yeah. the knock-on effect is is incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then you know, for for so for many, for many people that have experienced sexual trauma. It can kind of manifest then later in life in sort of in sort of two ways, so to become hypersexualized, where they become very sexual and you know uh, put themselves in in risky positions, okay. or to become almost kind of frigid because mm-hmm. sex is uh, just to use that delay expression, you know because sex has not been an enjoyable experience for them. Mm. Something they want to avoid, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah because it's it's a traumatic reminder. Hmm. So, and, and very often what can happen then for um p- particularly for the girls um that that I have that I have seen they will desexualize themselves. So they can put on weight, start to wear baggy clothes, stop okay. washing themselves, anything that might be held somebody, yeah. 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 Oh god! So that, that they are not a sexual object. Yeah, I have clients that would, you know, only wear baggy clothes. would Would never get dressed up. would Would only ever wear maybe jeans and a, jeans and a nice top. You know, yeah. they would never wear a form fitting dress or any anything like that. That might bring unwanted attention, sexual yeah. attention to themselves. Yeah, wow, because that? that's not safe. Mm
1: right we hope you like what you heard if so you can give us a rating you can subscribe you can leave a comment or if you think someone you know would benefit from this podcast then by all means share it with them on your social media pages because it could make a big big difference in their lives of course we'd love to hear from you if there's anything you want us to cover or discuss or if you've got a story to tell we would love to hear from you you can get in touch by email straighttalkingpodcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at stratalkingpod we're on facebook we're on instagram as well you can follow the hashtag ST. And just to mention as well that next week we'll be recording a special podcast called In Session. So in order to do that, we need you. If there's anything you want to ask a psychotherapist, anything you're struggling with, or wondering about, or if you've got a story of your own, of how you've overcome your difficulties, please do get in touch, and Alan will talk you through it, as best he can, and of course you will be treated, in the strictest of confidence, and should you wish to be anonymous, that is perfectly fine, you can get in touch via email, straight talkingpodcast at gmail.com, you can get in touch, by Facebook and Twitter as well, want to give a big shout out as well, to Fiona O'Brien for the podcast music, this guy is an amazing producer, beat maker, you can catch him on Facebook, at FOB Beats, if you're a singer, rapper, or whatever this guy he can play with more keys than a janitor you get the reference do you get the reference
0: I do I do
1: big L (laughs) right Alan Clark last word with you dude give us a message of uh, uh,
0: alternative inspiration I never prepare these I probably should yeah you probably Uh, um, should I probably should but look they're spontaneous and they tend to be off the dome Mm -hmm. Um, it's not what's wrong with you it's about what's happened to me. mental, 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 mental The man is a terrible-